This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and I am answering readers' questions, and today I have a great question from Joy. And Joy asked, she said, I wonder if you could explain the answer to this, please. I can easily understand how alcohol's anesthetizing effects can get us hooked into its use for anxiety or stress relief, et cetera. But I'm really puzzled about why do we feel triggered to use it for a celebration when the brain is already flooded with happy chemicals? Why do we turn to alcohol at these moments when its action is to actually dampen our experience of the moment? Uh, For instance, an exam win, win, um, the birth of a baby, a promotion at work, or whatever the case for celebration is. I know you'll be able to explain this in your crystal clear way. Thanks, Joy. So this is such a great question, Joy, and it's so true. You know, it can can make so much sense. Like, yes, of course, we want to use alcohol because it's a numbing agent. In fact, it was such a numbing agent that it was used in surgeries for a very long time until people realized that it was too toxic and there were much safer things to use for anesthesia. And so we say, okay, like that makes sense. But then why is it when we're already feeling great, why do we want to pour alcohol in the mix? What, what gives there? What, how does that make any sense? especially by the way, once you've sort of stopped drinking and realized all these incredible benefits and you're, you're really in a good place, you know, you stop drinking for self-medication, you've done whatever work you need to do, you're in a good, happy place, and then all of a sudden you're, not having cra- you're, you're just good, not having cravings at all, and then all of a sudden you're in a situation where it's like, boom, celebration, and you're like, I feel great, I feel happy, why do I want to drink? right now in this moment, why does that make sense? How is that possible? And here's what the deal is. The situation is that our brain learns in a way that is, you know, creates neural pathways. So repeated behaviors. And this is like, people call this habits, and that's absolutely a big part of it. But it's literally thought proteins and chemicals in our brains that go along certain pathways. And when you do a certain behavior over and over and over, something incredible happens inside the brain. Your brain can actually create masses, they're called dendrites, that build on protein. So for instance, if you were to look inside a brain of a grandmaster chess player or a piano player, the part of the brain that they use to play the piano or to win at chess would have grown slightly, okay? So we can do the same thing on a micro scale. So if somebody's a runner or somebody, you know, they actually did the study on taxi cab drivers in London in the part of the brain that is with maps and spatial connections in cab drivers in London has grown because when you do something over and over and over, it actually creates pathways. Now, Thoughts are not only like um, chemical where they create pathways, but they're also electrical. So if you think of an electrical current running along, you know, a wire, it's going to go for the path of least resistance. And so when you've created pathways and maybe that pathway for you has been that at every celebration since you can remember whether it was a birthday party or you know a wedding or the birth of a baby there's always been cocktails you know for decades perhaps and if that pathways existed and then you go into that situation the thought is going to run across the least amount of resistance and it's going to run across the pathways that already exist and i'm going to explain this in a different way so you sort of get the whole picture but the great news about this is it's absolutely reversible, 100%. 
All it means is that you just have to show up and do something different. And then those parts of the brain, if a piano player who's a grandmaster piano player stops playing the piano, that part of the brain will shrink and go away. It will no longer be needed and necessary and it will go away. And so we can do the same thing. The part of our brains that have been like, yes, we show up at a, you know, we have this ritual where if we are with girlfriends, we're pouring the champagne toast. If we are at a wedding, you know, we're breaking out the bubbly, whatever that ritual is. If you stop doing that ritual and put in a new ritual, that is absolutely malleable. It changes. It's one of the most incredible parts of our brains is how neuroplastic they are. They absolutely can change. And so that's just really, really exciting news. I also want to share with you another aspect of this, which is more chemical, and that is dopamine. And so I'd like to describe this for some reason with <laughs> finding raspberries. So imagine that you are a, you know, hunter-gatherer way back in the beginning of time, and you are looking for food, and all of a sudden you come across a raspberry bush. And your brain, because you've made this discovery of food, is going to send a dopamine rush. And dopamine is often called the learning chemical because it says, ooh, that thing you did, do that thing again, okay? Here's the thing. Any addictive substance is going to create an over-release of dopamine. Uh, artificially, I say artificial because the substance is artificial and man-made, an artificially high level of dopamine release in the brain. But that's also true for sex, procreation of the species, creates a dopamine release. You know, pornography, which is highly addictive, creates an artificially high level of dopamine release because it is, you know, really um, just at a higher level. Wine back in the old days had so much less alcohol, it created a dopamine release. Wine these days has so much, you know, it's so much more potent, it creates an artificially high level. Anything that's addictive, that's something that you're going to find as a string through addictive substances is that they are going to artificially release dopamine in the brain at high levels, levels that the body is not used to. Now that signals to the brain, oh, that thing, do that again, do that again. That's the learning molecule. So it's going to, if you're in that situation, want you to do it again. But the thought, the thought plickens, the plot thickens a little bit here. And this is really where it gets interesting and really where the brain is so fascinating. When you found those raspberries back when you were a hunter-gatherer and you're finding food and right before that dopamine re was released, the instant the dopamine was released because of the discovery of raspberries and your brain signaled, that thing, do that again, we want more of those raspberries, we want more of that, your brain actually backed up and imprinted everything that preceded that discovery. So all the cues in the environment, right? Was the soil rocky? Was it shady? Was it sunny? What other plants were around? All of those things subconsciously got imprinted so that it made it easier for you to discover raspberries. And over time, you find that you're the raspberry discovery master and you just have this skill that you don't know how you acquired of discovering raspberries. The problem happens when that happens with something like an addictive substance because your brain, again, goes back and imprints everything that happened before that artificially high hit of dopamine. And so if what happened just before that artificially high hit of dopamine was those happy feel good chemicals that Joy, you talked about in the beginning of the question, you know, why do I feel triggered for use of alcohol during a celebration when the brain is already flooded with happy chemicals? Why do we turn to alcohol at these moments, an exam when the birth of a baby, a promotion at work, whatever, well, we turn to alcohol at these moments because guess what? When we did it before, the brain remembers, the brain learned, the brain said, 
oh, we're together with girlfriends and we're celebrating someone's promotion? Break out the bubbly. We're at this wedding celebration and before we've done this thing and it got us that artificially high dopamine hit, we need some champagne. We're at the birth of a baby. <laughs> and before, when we were at the birth of the baby, we had this artificially high dopamine hit. We need to open that bottle. And that is what happens. And that's why it's triggered. But again, like I said a little while ago, is this is absolutely reversible. And here's the truth. Every new situation you go into, every new type of celebration, every new environment you go into, you're going to experience this. You're going to experience that craving because your brain has learned a pattern. It's created pathways that says, in this situation, you do this thing. This is your habit. This is your routine. And this is how I get this reward. And by the way, let's all thank our brains for this because thank goodness. I mean, if this, if this didn't exist in our brains, this isn't an evil thing. It's just that we use substances that artificially stimulate it and then addiction can be formed. But this is actually the very thing that keeps us alive and thriving because it's a thing that makes it so that we do the things like feed ourselves the next meal and keep ourselves procreating in the first place, right? So it's actually a really incredible mechanism of the brain. But again, it's the learning mechanism when it's learning an addiction to a substance, that's when it can go all haywire. So when you're in those situations, the first time you're in it, it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel wonky. You're going to have this expectation of, oh, we did this before. Why do I want to do this? Everything's great. Why in the world do I want to do this? What's wrong with me? I thought I was over this. I haven't had a craving in forever. I've been through all sorts of stressful situations. But now all of a sudden here on vacation on the beach, now is when I want to drink. And you're going to like come down on yourself and just realize that that's totally natural. That's totally normal. And the very next time you're on vacation on the beach or the very next day when you're watching the sunset on the beach, you're not going to want that drink because you've done it once. I mean, the brain unlearns this stuff so, so, so quickly. And I've said it for years is that every single new experience is going to be a bit bumpy. And it's funny because we just actually got back, my husband and I, from an all-inclusive vacation uh, that we, had, we hadn't been away together in a very long time, many years. But we, we did this and it was amazing and it was incredible. But because we hadn't done it in so long, um, probably six or seven years, it was the first time that I'd experienced an all-inclusive or even a tropical resort, um, or definitely an all-inclusive without me drinking. And so it was, again, even five years down the road, it was weird. It was like, whoa, um, you know, I, I like to make the most of my money. <laughs> And so I was like, well, if I'm not drinking, and then we would go up to the bar and we try to order mocktails and like, just a little alcohol is okay, right? Just a little for the flavor. I'm like, no, no, no alcohol. Just give me, just give me a Coke, whatever. Just give me an iced tea. And it was just this funny thing because they really couldn't conceptualize that we were not drinking. And uh, it was just this interesting experience. But the thing about it is that every new experience, everything you do for the first time without drinking is going to feel a little bit weird. And I think celebrations are it's a specifically good question because celebrations are the moments you think I should be the happiest. Why is it that this is sneaking in now? Why is this here now? And so that's really kind of the in-depth explanation of why that's happening in your brain, but just take a lot of solace knowing that it is absolutely changeable. And the next time you go through that experience, when you say, you know, alcohol-free during it, it is going to be a totally different experience for you. So thank you so much. So good to see everybody. And I hope you just all have a wonderful, wonderful day. Let me ask you a question. 
What is better than change? <laughs> Lasting change, of course. And if you've had trouble making change stick, either with alcohol or in any other area of your life, you are in for a treat. I created the 100 Days of Lasting Change to ensure that we don't just change for a moment, but we truly transform for a lifetime. And this program is so close to my heart. Thousands of people have been through it and their results are incredible. But don't take my word for it. Check it out at thisnakedmind.com forward slash 100 days. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.